But what happened was the pandemic leveled the playing field for one moment and then a year that followed, the entire world had to change how it did business. Everybody had to change. And what happened, you know, put aside the dreams for a second. Many of us are challenged with, I have to show up at a workplace. I I have to be seen by my boss. I can't work remotely. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Welcome to Superhumans at Work by Mind Valley. I'm your host, Jason Mark Campbell. And before we get started, tell me, if you could change anything in your life, what would it be? Would it be your body, your career, your relationships? Thankfully, you don't have to choose. As a Mind Valley member, you'll get instant access to the wisdom of world class personal growth teachers and programs that can evolve you in every way for just $2 a day. Are you ready to make a change? Start transforming your life today at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. I have here a thought leader and global speaker, best-selling author, who's actually made a massive impact within Mindvalley with his ideas when it comes to understanding the future of work and how we can be better at predicting the trends about hiring the best people, working with the best people, and being the best ourselves as we step into the workplace. Bill Jensen has been the CEO founder of the Jensen Group, which is a consulting firm focused on implementation and simplicity with tested tools and processes for creating simpler companies. He's had a chance to write several books, including his first one, Simplicity, was a number five leadership management book on Amazon in 2000. He's written more books such as The Future of Work, which like I said, has had such an impact at the way that Mindvalley manages its people and manages how we invest in people to be able to come so we can attract top talent and we can really be able to retain them and support them in their goals. I have to give major compliments to Bill because ways that I've transitioned away from an employee as Mindvalley has been based on the work and the foundation that he's done, which has been embedded within the culture of Mindvalley and the HR processes that we have. Now, Bill's actually had a chance to speak at companies such as SAP Digital Leadership at the U.S. Marines Chief Medical Officer Summit, GE Leadership Summit, and the list goes on. And today, the topic we're going to cover is the topic of his latest book, The Day Tomorrow Said No, the discovery that forever changed the future and how we work. 2020, as all we know, has been a year with a little bit of disturbances, but what does that bring for tomorrow? What is the new normal and where do we go from here are the answers we're going to want to answer today with Bill Johnson himself. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Jason, thank you for having me and to Vision and to everybody at Mindbelly. Thank you for all that you do. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And of course, it's a pleasure to have you share your ideas, which are so empowering. And this is a topic that's not a small thing. I mean, I think a, a lot of anxiety has come up from some of the transformation that's going on, where we felt that there was uncertainty, uncertainty before is definitely amplified and is still there. So I'd be curious to know what has inspired you to get this book put into paper, as a lot of people are feeling that kind of anxiety right now about what does tomorrow hold? 
at the beginning of COVID-19, the beginning of the pandemic, there was uh, some graffiti in Hong Kong. Basically, we can't go back to normal because normal was the precise problem that we had. Our work, not necessarily Mind Valley, but most organizations out there, uh, has been designed to leave too many people behind. And the original inspiration, started, I started this project years ago, was Al Gore's uh, Inconvenient Truths. I wanted to write a book that would hold up for all business leaders the inconvenient truths, the undiscussables, that we're just not discussing that we need to. And I worked for several years on it, and I ended up throwing it out because I realized this is another tome that nobody's going to read. It's going to be more case studies. So I ended up writing a fable about the future of work because throughout my history of consulting, I've learned that storytelling is the most impactful way. The way we change personally, the way we change groups is through stories. So I used in storytelling, the beginning of the story, uh, something Jason has called the inciting incident. Doesn't matter whether it's a Disney movie, whether it's a classic novel, whether it's a story we're telling in corporate environments. The, every story begins with what's called an inciting incident, something that sets up the whole conflict and how the characters resolve them. And I use my actual research to launch that. And I want to ask you a question, Jason, and anybody who wants to chat, plug in in the chat room. I asked thousands of people around the globe. This is for average people in average workplaces, maybe not necessarily Mind Valley workplaces. Can you achieve your dreams? where you currently work. Now, for all of you in chat, could you please plug in, what do you think if the percentage, this percentage can be from 0%, absolutely nobody can achieve their dreams, to 100%, everybody can achieve their dreams. And what I'm going to, I'm going to make a mention here, Bill, just to say that for those of you who are listening on the podcast, you can't be with us live. We do have yes. a live audience here. And of course, if you'd love to be a part of this audience, you can go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman as members come to these live recordings and we have additional Q and A's directly with the host. But if you're on the podcast, you can think about it and come up with that number in your head and I'll let you keep going, Bill. Great, <laughs> a great, great plug for the whole setup. Thank you. So can you, I've just asked thousands of people, can you achieve your dreams? where you currently work, pick a number, anywhere between 0% would say yes to 100% would say yes. Who wants to venture a guess as to how many, what the percentage is? And Jason, if you see any, let me know. But if, if you don't see any, what would your guess be? I've had a luxury of knowing the answer from your book, but not, what I will say is that when I would think of this answer, I would think it would be a relatively low number. I think that, you know, if I look at what Rumiko here from the chat's taking 30%, we have also Sophia who's saying about 15%. We have Job here who said 10%. And Cypher who actually says, well, if you work as an independent, it would be 100%. So exactly. that's a 50s, great point. 20. So we're talking point. about those that work in other workplaces besides being an independent contractor. I would hope it'd be close to 100%. That's why you're doing it. But Perfect. for the average people who work for others, I see a wide range, you know, 20, 30, 60. The average number across the globe is 9.8%, 10%. Now think about that. That's horrible. How, most of us that go to work, we're working for somebody else's dreams, not our own. So I use that as the inciting incident, and basically I created a fable where there were three characters, today, tomorrow, 
and little one. Today is present, tomorrow is future, and little one is the workforce of the future. And the title of the book, come, The Day Tomorrow Said No, comes from the fact that tomorrow is running out of dreams. There are not enough dreams to keep the future going. Because throughout human history, the way we got always got to the future was today handed off to tomorrow. Well, she said no for the first time in human history. She said, you're not handing this mess off to me. I got billions of people out there who are set up to fail. We've got to change this. And that began the fable. And then tomorrow is and little one go on a journey asking billions of people, because it's a fable, they can ask billions of people, how do you achieve your dreams? And that's what set up the book. I made it unlike, let's say, Who Moved Your Cheese or, or other, Who Moved My Cheese or other books that are fable-based. This one is built around actual future of work data and trends about how we are leaving too many people behind and what we need to do to address it. Well, this is what I find fascinating about this piece of literature is that it makes it very engaging and it'll make it very fun to go through. As you said, most of this data might look dry and might actually be hard to actually conceptualize, but when you put it within a story format, it becomes a lot of fun. But when I hear this statistic, right, this 10%, like one of the things I keep thinking is like, wow, like how did that happen? Like, how did we get to that? Or has it always been like that? Like when we see this statistic, should we be accepting it as normal? Well, that's why <laughs> I mentioned the Hong Kong graffiti. That has been our normal, and no, we should not accept it. Unless, again, you are an independent contractor. Now, those numbers, senior executives at big companies are in control of their future. Independent contractors are, entrepreneurs are. Those are the exceptions, but many of us work for other people. And basically, since the, you know, before the Industrial Revolution, we worked for ourselves, after the Industrial Revolution, we started working for other people and we started achieving their goals, the boss's goals, the customer's goals, but not our own. So we need to take that back. A lot of this book is about personal. Now, I've talked about the, the downside, the day tomorrow said no, but it's very an uplifting book. It's about personal agency. What do we need to do to seize control of our own future? Before we continue, I just want to tell you a little bit about Mindvalley membership. For all of you personal development junkies like me out there, growing in one area of your life just isn't enough. That's why we made Mindvalley membership to bring you the best personal growth programs on the planet so you can evolve every day in every way. Whether you want to get crazy fit, build a business, or manifest more money in your life, there's a quest for that. And now you can access every single one for just $2 a day. So if you're striving to become the best self and live the life you deserve, try out Mindvalley membership at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman. I can't help but think when you said like, we, you know, before we had a lot more agency, before we all went into these factories. And I just have this idea of like, you know, back in the day, we had various scales of dreams, but let's say I was in a village and I was a blacksmith, like my goals could be achieved. I could take care of my family. I would do my craft. I was doing my thing. And that doesn't mean I had a Lamborghini and a Ferrari. And I was like trying to live the dream. Like we have this ambition that's being taunted in front of us today but you had your very humble goals and you got to do something that you were passionate about. And that's something I don't think we see as commonly as we all decided to kind of trade that off and that independence was traded off for convenience, for predictability, and for higher income opportunities that you know the industrial revolution had provided. And as we 
had 2020 come in with something like the pandemic, because I know you've made some big changes in the book when 2020 came in, what have you seen this happen to the statistics of people following their dreams? Do you see it mostly as a positive or as a negative with the kind of introduction of COVID being a major disruptor to everything? Well, that's just it. For decades, I've been working in HR and tra- preaching the gospel that our people matter. We got to do more about people. And most senior execs will hire you, tweak things around the edge and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we did that. But what happened was the pandemic leveled the playing field for one moment. And then a year that followed, the entire world had to change how it did business. Everybody had to change. And what happened, you know, put aside the dreams for a second. Many of us are challenged with, I have to show up at a workplace. I I have to be seen by my boss. I can't work remotely. Suddenly, everybody across the globe could go remote. Well, let me change that. Everybody who's a knowledge or service worker, the janitor could not go remote. The chef or the waitress could not go remote. So what happened was it pointed out both ends of the spectrum, both the joy that we can take greater control, we can have work-life balance, we can work from home, we can work remotely, and the disparity that many of the people could, who did not have that ability where their work could be run by technology remotely, the chef, the, the janitor, whomever, uh, the car mechanic, it had a massive economic impact around the globe. It showed how greatly we are divided that knowledge and service workers can do a lot, others are really struggling. So it is both a major aha about how empowering it is, and it is a major aha about we got to take better care of each other. Yeah, that is definitely true. And hopefully we're going to see some light at the end of this tunnel as we are coming out of it right now and some things going back to us this new normal. But again, you were writing this book even before this happened. So there were some things that were considered normal that definitely needed to change. And so one question I'd have is, okay, if we're sitting at a 10% and I want to be able to take responsibility for my own dreams, statistically showing most people are going to find themselves in employment that doesn't support that. Are there things that I could do or prescriptions that should be shared for the individual to allow them to be able to go into live more of their dream within a corporation? Or are we saying we should jump ship and all become independent at this point? Well, if you can, to be honest, to be candid, be independent if you can. But if you don't want to or shouldn't jump ship, I've been coaching executives and managers around the globe during the, the pandemic. And one of the first questions I ask people is, what do you want your legacy to be three years from now? Now, there's a specific reason that question is structured that way. First, that comes, the three years from now, comes from a data point from a TED Talk that said, basically, more is going to change in the next 20 years than in the past 2000, mainly driven by technology. Now, that is massive. That is unbelievable. The amount of change and people pooed that before the pandemic. But basically, we just witnessed it. We just had a year that created massive disruption. So that comes down to, depending on how much tech you use, a lifetime's worth of change every year to three years. So let's take the most conservative point. Every three years, you're going to experience a lifetime's worth of change. Why do I say What do you want your legacy to be? Most people think of legacy like it's my epitaph. Like, you know, I'm now dead. People are coming to my funeral and, oh, this is the impact that Bill had on my life. 
That is the legacy, the impact you have on people's lives. Not necessarily for Steve Jobs, let's say, whether he made a computer or not, but that he put a ding in the universe. The impact you have on people's lives is your legacy. So I coach people, what do you want your legacy to be three years from now? Because on the most conservative end, you will have lived a lifetime's worth of change within the next three years. So first is articulate the impact you want to have on people's lives. Not necessarily the technology, the product or the service, but if you have a product or service or a skill, what is the impact that's going to make a difference in people's lives? Articulate that, tighten it up, shop it around with your friends, with your family. Then once you get that, then you work backwards from three years from now. Okay, if I want to achieve that three years from now, what do I need to put in place in 2021 where I can begin the first steps of that journey where I would achieve that by 2024? Mm -hmm. Again, this is like a critical step for people to take that responsibility, right? But what have you noticed when you work with people and you make them do this activity based on what they currently do now? Like this must be something that causes discomfort because if I set up a legacy, yet 90% chance that where I'm working at will not allow me to express this legacy. Now it's uncomfortable because I need to make some decisions. And what are typically the decisions people can make at this point? A lot of my coaching of senior execs and managers is Basically, the decision they know they needed to make, but were fearful or uncomfortable, it was too uncomfortable to make it. And the first step in any process, it is like seeing, no, acknowledging that there is a problem, acknowledging you basically know all along what you should be doing, but it's fear, discomfort, or anything else. It's speaking it out loud. I'm a big component of journaling, whether it's electronically or, you know, one of my first journals, I had a very difficult time in my life about 20 years ago. I was walking around Singapore with a, with a black t-shirt on. I didn't see a lot of the things I was supposed to see as a tourist, but I noticed when I got back to my hotel room, I was journaling the whole time while I was walking and I had rings of sweat. It was white, white salt was covering my t-shirt because I got so involved with journaling. I was walking around Singapore, just journaling the whole time. But it's really articulating what's in here and in here. Most of us have this gut sense of what we know to be true about ourselves, but we really never take the time or the discipline. So the first thing is journaling, getting to know yourself. One of the last books I did, Future Strong, I came up with the, a new 80-20 rule. It was the, called the 80-20 rule of inner knowingness that 80% of us think we know who we are, but don't. And most of us have only done 20% of the work. So if you, the first thing is not necessarily go out on your own, but know who you are. And that would cause a lot less problems in the world. <laughs> a lot more people would take the time to work on their self-identity. I'm a big proponent of that as well. Hey, I am actually on that journey. I'm working with a coach right now. I'm doing past, present, future authoring, and I'm discovering things about myself that I never paid attention to. And just like you said, when you become very painfully aware of the decisions you make in the present, what that will translate into the future, the gap becomes there. And it is painful if it's not aligned with the vision and the legacy, as you mentioned, that you draft out. And I think that clarity is necessary. But to take care of the pain... Uh, the mm -hmm. best way that I've learned, make it deeply personal. 
it's driven by, I have to choose my family over my work. I have to move over this location, over that location, whatever it is, make it deeply personal. My legacy is my mom's legacy. And I may have uh, told this story when I was in Kuala Lumpur, but July 14th, 1994, my mom died. And what happened was they lost her in the hospital for 40 minutes. We were in the ER. We were being told there's nothing more we can do. She had a massive stroke. She'll be alive for a few more hours and that's it. Go up to the family waiting room in the ICU, the intensive care unit, wait for her there and we'll bring her up. And five, 10, 20 minutes go by, no mom. 30 minutes go by, 40 minutes go by. I'm freaking out, but it's, it's my father's wife. He's supposed to do something and he didn't. And finally I went ballistic. I said, you know, where's my mom? And what happened was there was a miscommunication between the ER and the ICU. They never brought her up. Fortunately, we were with her when she passed. But what I realized, not immediately, but a year after grieving, is I lost 40 of the last minutes that I would ever get with my mom. So my legacy, my passion, every talk I give, every book I write, every, every consulting gig I ever do, I put everything aside that's transactionally what I was hired to do when I talk to you, all of you listening to this podcast. If you do one thing from this podcast tonight, today, go tell someone you love them. Give them a hug because you never, ever know whether that's going to be the last chance you're going to get to do it. So my message, my legacy is whoever's lives I've touched through my books, through my consulting is filled with love more. They, and they've told the people they love that they love them. That's my hoped for legacy. That's one beautiful legacy to do. And now you make me think I'm going to call my mom right after this call. And I think that'll be a fun, fun thing. I, I even wanted to go deeper into one of the concepts you share because I know in your book, there's these three B's yes. and you talk about uh, the three B's, which are things that we can embody as far as, uh, as being more aligned with someone that's going to help build the dreams for tomorrow. But I wanted to dig into one of them, which is actually the believer role. And the reason I bring this up is you speak of three B's, one of them being the believers, the other one being breakers and builders, but speaking specifically of the believers, it seems like it's, it's very easy to fall into pessimism looking at the media, looking at the news, you know, we are blessed with being able to have better communication and awareness of all events around the world, but it seems like the media is skewing towards exposing us to so many things that are negative, especially if we think about the future of work, AI, automation, outsourcing, downsizing, companies going bust. These are all things that cause a lot of anxiety and is actually can be very scary when we think about the future. And so I wanted to kind of dig in because I know you give a message around the believer that I think would be very hopeful for people. The Very briefly, the three are believer, breaker, or builders. This was this how tomorrow and little ones solve the problem that we were leaving too many people behind. The analysis they made around the globe is that no matter, there are billions of people who work, there are millions of job titles and job functions, but every job, all of them come down to just three jobs. All of us are either a believer, a breaker, or a builder. The believers are those that channel positivity, that believe we can do it. Go rah, 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 team, we can do it. But also, also, they're the ones that call the emperor has no clothes. 
the believers are the ones that say, hey, this is not working for all of us. They are, let's say, for example, the Greta Thunbergs of the world in Sweden saying climate change has to change. And they are passionate and they are in our face. The believers are in our face with positivity, but also in our face with things must change. We all must be believers and or breakers and or builders. The breakers are the Elon Musks, the Steve Jobs, the Vishen Lakahani's of the world that change the rules, that say we've got to do it differently, that build different, that break things from where they were. And the builders are the ones that build the systems from team dynamics to uh, global environments, energy and healthcare. The builders make it happen. The breakers break the rules and the believers are the ones that keep us moving forward. We need a lot more believers. The courage you need is not necessarily the courage to quit if you're not achieving, you know, if you're part of the 10%, if you're not part of the 10% that can achieve. It's, you don't have to quit. You do need to be the believer to say there is a better way. We can do it. Build communities, build rallies, speak up, hold online forums. The good part of social media, not the bad part. Stand up for something, take a stand and be a believer. We need a lot more of those. Brilliant. Bill, thank you so much for your time and sharing this important message with everybody. And I'm hoping you're all left with an inspiration of understanding that even if we look at the statistics, as we talk today of a lot of us, not necessarily living to the dreams or feeling that whatever it is that we're working in can help us achieve these dreams. You can make changes by being an advocate, being a believer. And as we walk through this, there's so many beautiful things we can look forward to as all this normal that we had before has been disrupted. A new normal is emerging. And as you're going to be able to make decisions on how you can find yourself getting closer to what you've defined as your own legacy, you can now have that painful awareness if what you're doing right now is going to bring you closer to that legacy. Changes might need to happen, but these changes can be good. They don't need to be as scary. And of course, as we step into our roles being either believers, breakers, and builders, you're going to go out there and you can be that shining light that so many people are looking for to get hope about how things are going to get better and how we can all look to disrupt the systems that exist that actually need to be disrupted and start building things that allows us to have a better future that is coming back towards allowing us to be living in a way that is aligned to our purpose, that build towards our dreams, and we can have more satisfaction within the workplace as well. If you've enjoyed this conversation and you want to go deeper, definitely pick up a copy of the book, The Day Tomorrow Said No, The Discovery That Forever Changed the Future and How We Work. It's a beautiful book that takes all of Bill's research and brings it into a fable that is illustrated and makes it really fun to go through these concepts and be able to digest what do we have coming and what we can do about it. Once again, thank you so much, Bill, for coming with me and sharing all these insights. And for all of you listeners, keep being superhuman. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you haven't signed up already, be sure to check out Valley membership. Besides getting unlimited access to our top-rated programs and trainers, you'll also join an incredible supportive community on our new Connections app. This is basically a global campus where you find like-minded friends, mentors, and accountability partners from around the world online or get together at local meetups. If you want education that connects you with kindred spirits and transforms you from the inside out, join the tribe at mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman today. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.